This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Okay, everyone, Parsha's Bahar 5783. This is toward the end of the Parsha. And really, uh, to be honest with you, I think I wrote it wrong. It's not Parsha's Bahar, it's Parsha's Bechukosai. So that's the first problem. Let's, <laughs> let's get that down over here, that this is Parsha's Bechukosai. The reason why this happened, by the way, is as a timeout, I started writing a share on Parsha's Bahar, and then I realized that I gave it six years ago. I guess I didn't change the title, and I didn't realize. But then I went to Parsha's Bechukosai. That's the reason why. Parsha's Bechukosai, toward the end of Bechukosai, toward the very end of Sefer Vayikra, it says in Chav Zayin Chav Tez, Kol Cherem Asher Yocharam Mina Adam. Any, okay, now, I'm translating this the way that I want to translate it, but there's many different ways to translate it. Any human being who is declared banned, right? Lo yipadet, you cannot redeem him, most you must. He will surely die. That's how we translate it, that again, if a person is banned, he will die, and there's nothing to do about it. Rav Vigdor Miller says that the word cherem comes from the word chara, as in the chara af Hashem bochem, etc. So it means anger. The mem at the end, that's used at the very end, is a suffix, just like the word chinam is really chain, right, or something like that, that has the mem at the end. Or reikam is rake with a mem at the end. So therefore, so too, it can be used in different ways, right, especially in a very passionate fashion to show that I'm declaring something belongs to God, that it's a cherem to a Kaddish Baruch Hu. out of anger, out of passion, I'm saying I no longer want to have this object, I'm giving this over to the Kohanim, to the base of Mikdash, that's what I want to do, right, or that something should be destroyed. That's the first thing, that's where it comes from. Naksava Kabbalah says, says it comes from the language of Havdalah and Hafrasha, removing something from what it is now to what I want it to be. That could be from Chol to Hektish, or from Chaim to Mavas. But either way, cherem is one of those two words. It's either something that has to do with anger, or it has something to do with an exchange, or taking it away from one thing and bringing it to another. Now, Pashipshat, if I wanted to read this Pasuk in Pashipshat, it would be the following. Any cherem that is made from one man to the other. So if I would say, like, I don't know, let's just say, John, I am going to put you in cherem, right? If I put you in cherem, then that man is banned, and he cannot redeem himself. Right? Lo he must surely die. But that can't be the translation of the Pusik, right? How in the world could anyone, how could Ruvain put a ban on Shimon and make him die without any redemption? That is totally irresponsible. Then anybody could just ban somebody else and cause him to die, and there's no way out of it. That's crazy. There's no way that could be the truth behind this statement. So there's no way that could possibly. So Rashi says a different translation. It's an unbelievable translation. He says this Pusik is referring to someone who's being taken out to be killed. He's being taken out to be killed, and as someone's being taken out to be killed, a guy calls out and says, Ercho Alai, his value is on me. I want to pay that man's value to the base of Mikdash. I'm going to pay that man's value, right? How much is this man's life worth, considering he's about to be taken out to be killed? He's about to be brought, right, to death in front of everybody? How could this, how much value is it? And the answer is nothing. 
He is worth nothing at all. Lo yi pade. You can't redeem him for anything. There's no amount of money that you could give for this. That's that. That's what we're saying over here. Most you must. He's like he is dead. That's Rashi's translation. Now there's quite a bit over here. A muka shchin, somebody with a blemish all over his body, is considered to have no dumim at all, no value at all. No one would buy him. But he still has an erich based on his certain age, that he has an ad age over here. However, this man who's sentenced to death is different. He's not even a muka shchin. He's not even a guy with a blemish. And why is that? Because he's considered like he's already dead. He has no value. And that's the opinion of the Tanakama in Arachin, that's how the Tanakama understands this idea. You put your Arachin on that guy. You say that that guy's value on you. To the base of Mikdash, there is nothing. You owe nothing to the base of Mikdash. You don't have to pay anything whatsoever. Now, the Rambam in Hilchas Arachin, right, he poskins this way. He says this in Perak Aleph, Halacha Yud Gimel, and he says he's very clear that this explanation is not just the explanation of the Pasuk, it's Halacha true, that if I say Erech alive by a guy who's being taken out to death, I owe nothing at all. He says, this is only if you're being judged in a Jewish court, in a Jewish basin, that's there. That's when he's considered to be a, a person who's there for mothers. But if it's in a secular court where the judge could be bribed or you could pay people off to get him out of jail and anything like that, then because he could go free, he still has a value. But in a Jewish court, we don't assume that'll happen. Therefore, that's that. However, it would seem that either one of them would not have real dummim. They would only possibly have arachin if you're in not Jewish court. But dummim, there's no value. Who would buy a slave in the shuk? For someone that's going out to be killed, even if it's a possibility that the guy could survive, that just sounds ridiculous. It sounds like there's no dummy for such a person at all. Either way, that's how the Rambam Paskins. Now, the Aznayim Latora points out this probably would apply to a Gezeris Melech as well. Not just to a Bezdin. But if the Melech decides he wants to kill someone and says, this guy is considered dead, as soon as the king declares him dead, that would be considered Chai Misa and he's completely gone. This could be, I guess, because when Bezdin finds him I, I guess, Chayiv, for something that he did wrong, that has nothing to do with their feelings or their desire. It's what the Torah prescribes at that time, right? That's the idea behind it. So therefore, at that moment when they declare him dead, and true by a king as well, whenever a king declares somebody dead, or if Bezdin declares him dead, that means he's halachically dead. And therefore, the Asylum of the Torah comes out with this chap, and he says, there must be two different types of death. Actual death, where the person is dead, as well as halachic dead. As if he's dead, but he's really alive. But halachically, he is considered like he is fully dead. Right? His wife would not be allowed to marry somebody else, right? If this guy's being taken out to death, can she marry someone at that time? If a guy throws Kedushin at her, takes the ring and says, will you marry me? To his wife, while he's being taken out. Like, not time, buddy. <laughs> but let's say he goes ahead and does that. Would she now be married to that guy if she accepts the Kedushin? Is the Kedushin Chal? No, of course not. He's still alive. There's no way she's not... She's still in Eish at that moment. There's no question about that whatsoever. Is there an inheritance when he's being taken out to die? Or is the inheritance only there after he actually dies? Obviously, those are Misa Mamoshis. To marry off his wife or... To be able to give an inheritance, you have to actually be dead. But Arachin, the value, might go by something different. That might follow the second type of death. That as long as it is based in declaring him dead, and we know it's going to happen, he is halachically dead. He suggests 
that the reason why is because a rochen may be based on the ability of someone being valued with his relationship to Hashem. Donim, the value of a person, is how much you're worth in a shuk. Your arachin, your erech, is based on your value to Hashem. And this guy, since he's not supposed to be here anymore, he's gone. He's no longer around. Maskel David Adzan, that a mace is asr ba'ana. Someone going to be killed is considered like someone dead. That's asr ba'ana. You can't even get benefit from the arachin of such a person. So, okay, you can't even get that. But that's our first part. The first part is, this is Rashi's idea. That's what we have. What do we got, Shlomo? Not done with, you haven't read on yet. I will get there. Number two. Number two. As a side note, when I saw you raise your hand immediately, I was going to say, I'm going to answer your question. Just give me five minutes. Yeah, go ahead. Number two. So that already is a Shila, and I'm going to get to that also. See, all it takes is patience. Patience. See, I'm not like Rabbi First. Rabbi First has that. He's just like, hold on, okay? I'm, I'm going to be a little bit nicer, but I'm not that nice. Yeah, show me what you're going to say. Even that, Avelis, oh, Avelis, yes, 100%. Avelis is for sure only by Misa Mamashis. Nobody's sitting Avelis for the guy until he's actually dead. We know this. That's obvious, right? All that is super obvious. And then Oninus as well. Yeah, for sure. Aninus would go by Avelis as well. So that's that. The Meshech, oh, the Ayelis Shachar has a problem with this explanation. He's saying, you have a problem. What's the word lo yipodeh? He's not redeemed? That's not the right word. That's not the right word over here. It should be paying a value. Arachin is not a pidyon. You're not giving a redemption for anything. A rochen is a hischayvis. I am mechayiv myself to pay a certain amount because that's what I'm supposed to do. That's what a rochen is. It's a value that I'm chayiv to pay. It's not a pidyon. So the word lo yipadet does not work according to this explanation of the Tanakam and a rochen and the way the Rashi is explaining it. That's his problem. The Mizrahi also asks this problem. He says, I don't understand. We're talking about people that are in cheyrem. Right? That's the word, the ban over here. What in the world does this have to do with Arachin, which is a different parsha? Granted, it's nearby, but it has nothing to do with Arachin. So he says that Cherem could be someone being put to death. Vaharamti es arehem. I destroyed their cities. And that works, but that's not pshat. That obviously isn't pshat. What exactly are we talking about over here? The Nachal Siakov tries to answer the question. The Gorari goes into the question, etc. But either way, regardless. Meshech Chochma says the words Asher Yocharam means they were already set to be killed. That's how he translates the word Asher Yocharam, meaning they have already had a Gemar Din. It's got to be that they went to Beisden, and not only were they in Beisden for something that they're chayiv for, they had a gemardin with a Beisden paskin that they're chayiv misa, right? And it's similar to the words mikoha ochel, asher yochel. From all the food that was ready to be eaten, without needing anything else, the food that is ready for you right there. So to asher yocharam is he's ready to be killed. He's ready to be destroyed. That's the idea of what we're referring to over here. But he does say in the end, there are some people who would have an erich, and he says, a child who has no gemar din to be killed but has to be killed because his parents were high because of a cherem and we'll talk about these people soon if a child has to be killed because of his parents again that's an idea that we're going to get to it's possible that would apply over here and here's Shlomo's question Rechaim Paltio this is a Rishon asks the question he says wait a second how does this guy not have a value if somebody gets up and says I have a schus what do they do right they bring the guy back to court he could still live Right? They bring him back to court even a hundred times. 
If the guy says, I have a schos, I have a schos, I have a schos, they could do it a hundred times. They even have a flag system, if you did the Gemara in Sanhedrin. A flag system, where they flag the guys down, because they can't hear them, right? No cell phones, right? So they have a flag system so that they know they can come back if the guy's going out to get skila, right? To know that they shouldn't go ahead and kill him. So if they have that whole system, then he's not dead yet. You can't say that once he has a Gemara din, he's officially going to die. What if there's some sort of way of getting him back? So he says... Perhaps this is because the Mishnah in Gittin, Chav Chasim says that we give him every Chumrah we can think of. So maybe this Chumrah includes that he has no Arach and it's as if he's dead. But it is a Pella. It's a Pella. The Rechaim Paltiel points it out and the other Rishonim also asked this question, the Balitosos. They point it out and they say there's something wrong here. But I guess the answer is this is a Gemar Din where the guy is going to be killed and no one is there to be able to give some type of, uh, some type of Schus that could allow him to live. Okay, so that's the idea. Now, the Chsam Sofer wonders, if this man, who's Chayav Misa, this is your second question, Shlomo, this man is Chayav Misa, right? He's on his way to be killed. Let's say a guy comes out from the crowd and shoots Oswald, right? Let's go, this guy just takes a gun and shoots the guy. Is that guy Chayav Misa? Say the warning. Hey, you better not shoot that guy. Two ate him. You better not shoot the guy or else you're going to be Chayav Misa. And he goes and he shoots the guy that's on his way to a Gemar Din. Is he not Chayav Misa? Is he a Goses? You're Chayav Misa for killing a Goses. Depends on whatever, what kind of Goses, etc. But you are Chayav Misa for that. This guy on his way to death who is halachically dead. Halachically dead, but not Mamish dead. Can you kill him? Are you allowed to kill him or not? Does he have to pay for it if he ruins his shirt? Let's say he's being taken out to death and a guy tears his shirt. Is he Chayav to pay for the shirt that he just ruined? Let's say the guy does end up getting a schus and stays alive, right? And you hurt, you destroyed his shirt. Do you have to pay him now? He got out of it. And now you're, you're chayiv to pay. You're chayiv tashuman. Are you chayiv in tashuman for a dead guy? For a person who's on his way for death itself? There's all these questions. Aksam Sofer asks all of them and goes on and on and on. In his drushos, he says he thinks that's what the word Adam is doing in this Pasuk. Looking at the Pasuk again, you see the words, And he says the following. It's a brilliant line over here. It should say, But what's Min Adam? It's to tell you. If someone has a Gemar Din for death and is going to be killed, and someone says, Dom of a lie, or Arach, Arach of a lie, his value, his Domim, or his Arach is upon me, and then they find a Schus and Paterim, that man still doesn't have to pay for what he said. Why not? Because at the time, he's a dead man. Even if later on he ends up being alive, it doesn't make a difference, because at that moment, he's dead. And that's why it says, Lo Yipodet, there's nothing you do. This must be taught about Adam, because if it's a Shor Haniskal, an ox that's being taken out to be stoned, if that ox is there, and then someone says, Domo Alai, it's obvious there's no no value to pay there, because Lo Madrinandina, we never take away the din. Even if a guy comes along and says, I found a schus for the cow. They don't take back the cow. By an Adam, you'd think, since Madrinandina, we will bring the, the guy back, we will save the guy, We'll try to take the guy out. Maybe you also have to pay if you did something. Maybe you're Chayav Misa. And I, I still don't know about the Chayav Misa part, but maybe you have to do something. Kamash Moan, there's no Arachin, no Dumim, no payment necessary, even if he survives afterward. And that's the Chiddush over here. That's how the Chassam Silver puts it. Yeah, what's up? With regards to being Chayav Misa, isn't that, I believe it's a, it's a Machlokas in the Gemara with, uh, in Baba Kama. There's a case of a like a pot that's thrown off a, a building and someone smashes it. Right. I destroyed something, it's already destroyed. 
But with the case of a person who's pushed off a roof, and then someone else stabs him with a spear, there are some that say the same thing, but there are others who say, no, if you kill someone even one Now you're getting to the real, yeah, that's the basic kishkas of this Gemara, right? Whether or not you're supposed to, what do we say? When is the person considered absolute death? And if you're Mekarev Misaso, which is exactly what you did, you killed him before he fell to the ground, is that Kirv Misaso considered the guy who is Chayev Misa, or is he more responsible because of what he did before the guy actually died? Yes, that is exactly what the question of the Chassam Sofer is, and it's basically the same thing. The only difference is, he's saying, is that once we come up with this concept, the Oznayim Torah called Halachic Death, for a guy who's being taken out by Bayston, does that change something? This is not a guy being pushed off the roof. This is a guy who has the halachic death status. What is that exactly? That's what he discussed. It's all in the drushas, but it's a great, great comparison. That's exactly what it could be compared to. Okay, very good. That's the end of that part, guys. Yeah, what's up, Yaakov? I don't know how many there would be. No, so meaning you're saying like somebody who's a mitzora is considered like he's dead, or somebody who's blind is considered like he's dead, or somebody who's poor is considered like, those would not be halachic dead. That's what chazal called dead for something that something is wrong, something is missing. That's what they'll call it, but that's not actual death. That wouldn't be halachic death. Great, yeah, that's a good question, but nothing to do with this. This is not the same. Now, the chizkuni says by the words kolcher refers to all different types of deaths that a bezdin may do for someone who's chayimisa. Someone who's supposed to be killed cannot redeem himself. Meaning, if uh, Ruvain is Chayav Misa, so Ruvain is being taken out to die. He can't pay his way out. Somebody who is ready to die, and that's the Cherem over here, he's ready to die, he cannot be po to himself, he definitely dies. That's the other opinion mentioned in the Gemara in Arachin. The second opinion over there in Arachin, Davavon Beis. Targum Yonason says a little bit different, but listen to this. He says, it's a person who's Chayav Misa, but he could be doing something that's chayim misi He doesn't specify, right? Something that we'd be chayim for. Maybe he killed somebody, but no witnesses. Maybe he killed somebody, but there's no asra. But either way, he's chayim misa, either bidini adam or bidini shemayim. Such a person has no ability to redeem himself with money, only by bringing himself closer to Hashem. There's an interesting Targum Yonasan. He can't redeem himself with money. And this is not a case where there's two Adam and Asra, so he's not being taken out to be killed. That's what the Chizkuni said. He's being taken out to be killed, he can't pay his way out of it. This is a guy who's Chayav Misa because he did something silly. He's Chayav Misa, but he can't be killed. Maybe it's Misa B'Dishamayim, maybe it's Karis. What can he do? Can he pay his way out of it? Can he give a ton of tzedakah? Not enough, says Targum Yonasan. He's got to do more than that. Three things, and Rav Sturmbach points them all out. He says, if you're Chayav Misa or Karis, the only way you can redeem yourself is through, number one, Olos. Nowadays, that would be like fasting. Tzedakah, giving Tzedakah, obviously, in the words of the Targum Yonasan, Nichsas Kudshin. And davening to Hashem, mi boi rachami kodem Hashem. That's the only way to get out of it. That's how you get out of Misa b'deshmaim and Misa, you know, Misa through kares, etc. Right? Not Misa b'deen eldam. You can't get out of that. But this could take you away. And that's exactly what we say in Rosh Hashanah, isn't it? Utfila, utshuva, tshuva, tfila v'tzedaka, mavirinus roa gezerah. You have the ability to take away the evil gezerah by doing those three things, kol, tzom, and mamon. 
Bezos Yafo Aron Al Kodesh. Coal is the Gematria of 136. Tzom is the Gematria of 136 for fasting. And Mamon, money is the Gematria of 136. 136 plus 136 plus 136 is 408, which is the Gematria of Bezos, right? It's actually Zos, Zion Aleph Saf is 408. Bezos Yafo Aron Al Kodesh. When Aron comes into the Kodesh and he goes into the Kodesh Gedashim with that that ability to do cold psalm and mamon, to do tshuva, tefillah, tzedakah, then mavirin isro Then we have the ability to do it. That's the concept. That's why art school has those three words above each one of those, tshuva, tefillah, and tzedakah, cold psalm and mamon. That's the zuziyah v'aron alakadosh. That's the idea. Even though it seems we're learning multiple halachos from these psukim, I mean, we have the chizkuni over here, Targum Yonasan and Rashi, still, this is like lo samad al-adam, lo samad al-adam, which is, we can translate in many different ways. It seems like they're all legit Legitimate translations. It seems like there are legitimate ways to be able to explain this way in a couple of things. The Rabbeinu Yoel technically is another explanation. I wrote down as a third. It's technically a fourth. He says someone who deserves to have a cherem, like someone who worships idols publicly and then goes off the derech, even taking people with them, will not be redeemed from the din of Gehenna. If you bring people off, you are a chote umachatiyas arabim, like your ravam benevat v'chaveirav. That's the way it's described in the Gemara Sanhedrin. If you're a chote umachati, you have no chance. You will absolutely get Gehenim, and there's no way out of it. And if somebody says to me, isn't there a chance to do tshuva? That tshuva, I think, is too difficult for a person like that in this world to do. The person would have to take every person back that he convinced to go off and bring them back with him. That's the only way you can do it. I think it would be too hard. In theory... The answer is yes, of course, tshuva can help. But in practice, in reality, it would be almost impossible if you're a chote umachati. That's what happens over there. Now, that brings us to an amazing Ramban. The Ramban is absolutely amazing. We're going to go through a story in Navi, which has confused me for a long time. This is the answer that I've always gone with. It's a very confusing thing. So first, the Ramban gives two other pshatim. He doesn't like the Gemara's pshatim. Not that he argues on them. He can say that they work la but he says that doesn't seem to me to be pshat in the Pasuk. Medrash? You could say it's Medrash. But pshat in the Pasuk, he says is something different. Number one. Anyone who donates something of their own is a cherem to Hashem. He has to give it, whether it's an animal, a person, like an Eved, or a field. If you donate something to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it must be given. There is no way to redeem such a thing. It's not like hektish. This is a cherem. A cherem cannot be redeemed. It belongs to the Kohanim. And if someone puts a cherem on their slave, that doesn't mean he should be put to death, but rather he should be given over to the Kohanim. For you, in all intents and purposes, most you must. He's gone from you. There is nothing else you can do. Now, obviously, guys, that doesn't work great in a Pasuk that says straight out, most you must. If you're going to say that it's anything you give cannot be redeemed, the end of the Pasuk is pretty schwer. That's one. But the Ramban says, I have another explanation. And he says, someone who donates something is a cherem that he doesn't own. For example, you're in the midst of a war. And you're fighting in this war. And in order to win, you see that you're losing. You see things aren't going well. In order to win, you want to give up something big. You want to give up something big. So what do you do exactly? You promise HaKadosh Baruch Hashem, if you help me win this war... I promise to make something into a korban. I'm going to give something back to you. That's what you're asking a Kaddish Baruch Hu to do. Or, not just about something that you give, I promise a Kaddish Baruch Hu that if you let me win, I will destroy this entire city of idolaters. 
people that are worshipping idols, I will take care of every single one of them and I will kill them all. Such a cherem is binding. And if you make a cherem against a city, then you may have to destroy the city and there's no way out of it. Which means, again, remember our first thing, the obvious Pashup shot in the Pasuk is, if you put a cherem on someone, you can't redeem it, that person must die. And we asked, how could that be? That's ridiculous. You can't put a cherem on that. Anybody would call up. You're like, you're in cherem, you're in cherem, and you can't get out of it? That's ridiculous. And the answer is, right, that is ridiculous. But if you're in war and you say, I'm fighting against Yericho, and Yericho is filled with people that are Ovdiya, Vodazara, Mechashvim, and terrible people. And I say, HaKadosh Baruch if you let me win this war, the entire city, I will burn down the entire city and destroy everything in it. Lo Yipadeh. There's no way out of that. You cannot take anything from that city. You can't redeem anything of value from that city. You have to destroy it all, and that includes the people that are inside it. The objects and the people would all have to be destroyed. There is a Misa that happens at the end of Shoftim, right, with Pilegesh Begiva. Without going into the details of the story, Klau Yisrael decided as a whole that they were going to fight against Shevet Binyamin. Shevet Binyamin felt that they were in the right, that they had to judge the people on their own, the people of Giva, and what they did to the Pilegesh of this man, whatever the man was, whoever the man was, right? And the people of, of the, the people all decided that we're now going to go with, to war against Binyamin. We know the first two battles Binyamin won. They asked the Urimitum in the wrong, direct, the wrong way. The third battle, they decimated Shevet Binyamin, destroyed them. There was nobody left. Mamish nobody left. 600 Binyaminites remained that were able to escape to a certain cave. No one else was left. For some reason, whether it's a miscommunication, a misunderstanding, whatever it was, every man, woman, and child of Shevet Binyamin was wiped off the face of the earth. 600 men remained. So the people didn't know what to do. They had promised that they would never give any of their daughters to Shevet Binyamin ever again to be a wife. So now they had a problem. They had 600 people of Binyamin left. When their cooler heads prevailed, they realized, oh my gosh, this entire Shevet might be destroyed. What do we do? Who can they marry? And they found, they said, is there anyone who didn't come to the meeting place? They made a meeting and they got everyone together. I believe it was that mitzvah, but I'd have to look it up. But they made a meeting and they called everyone together and they said, everyone here, anyone who doesn't come is in Cherem. They counted every city had sent representatives, except for one city called Yavesh Gilad. Yavesh Gilad is famous for things that happened later. They're the ones who took Shoal Melech's body out. They're the ones who Melech Amon, Nachash, the king of Amon, wanted to destroy in the beginning of Shoal Melech's reign. But Yavesh Gilad, which at that time was a regular Yisrael, we don't know what shavit it was, they didn't send a single representative to fight against Binyamin, which meant, according to Kal Yisrael, they were complicit they were complicit in the behavior of Sheva Binyamin. And like they wiped out Binyamin, the cherem applied to Yavesh Gilad, and they were all supposed to be killed. Every single one of them was going to be killed. And they did that. They went to this city, and they wiped out the entire city. However, they left over 400 women, I shouldn't say women, girls, who were young enough that they had not yet been married, who had not yet known a man. And they took those girls and they married them off to 400 of the 600 Binyaminites. They were able to take those 400 women who were super young. They brought them to Binyamin. And that way Binyamin was able to survive. 
Binyamin, by the way, included Shaul HaMelech. Shaul HaMelech would have been there. Kish would have been there as well. They were two of the 600. Regardless, they were able to survive. Now, there's a lot to talk about this Pasuk, and I'm not going to be able to do everything on it. It's obviously very strange. The Ramban says, it must be that these men were Chayv Misa. The Yavish Gilad was Chayv Misa. How do I know that? Because Pinchas was there with Klau Yisrael. Pinchas was the one they asked the third time with the Urim Betumim. He was there. If the ban happened and Pinchas was there, it must be Halachic. Says the Ramban, where did these people learn, where did Bnei Yisrael learn that you're allowed to make a cherem on a whole city? And if you make a cherem on a city, you can kill every single inhabitant of that city. Where would they learn it from? Says the Ramban, it's this Pasuk. Kol cherem asher yacharam min adam. If it's made in a man, lo yipodeh, you can't redeem them, most you must. The people of that city must die. They're Chayav Misa for not following it, and they understood this din from our Pasuk. And that means, again, that a king or a Sanhedrin, and it's got to be absolute leaders, it can't just be Joe Schmo like me or you, it's got to be a king or Sanhedrin that makes a din of a cherem. It makes a real cherem, and that cherem goes out. They put it on a city, even a Jewish city, if that goes out, if someone breaks that harem, the city breaks that harem, then they are Chayev Misa. And that's why the inhabitants of Yavish Gilad were put to death. Okay? Hold on. Before I get to everybody's questions, the Ramban's not done. The same would have applied to Yehonah's son, son of Sholomelech. Yehonah's son started the war against the Plishim. This is the beginning of Sholomelech's reign. Shmuel and Avi had already ditched Sholomelech because he did not listen, did not wait until the seventh day, which he asked him to do. Sholomelech brought up a korban a little bit early. And Yehonah's son, with his nar, decide in the middle of the night to go up and they do a little bit of nichush, like superstition. If they tell us to come forward, then we'll fight them. And if they tell us to stay there, then we're going to lose. But Yehonah's son did it, climbed up the mountain, went up against the other army, and literally rolled through, killing people one after the other. Shalomalach is watching everything happening. He doesn't know what to do. He calls over the Urimitumim, then he realizes he just has to fight. Anyway, B'nai Yisrael wipe out, completely wipe out the Pelishti army almost like that, like nothing, destroy them completely, right? And it's thanks to Yonasan. In the middle of the war, Sholomelech wanted to make sure that everybody was fighting. So he made a declaration, no one is allowed to break their fast. Apparently they had been fasting because they went straight into war that morning without any warning whatsoever. So they were fasting. So he said, no one is allowed to break the fast. And he made a cherem. Again, a ban. You cannot break this fast. There was a forest or, I don't know if it's a honeycomb, filled with honey, and Yehonasan took out his staff and grabbed it and ate it himself. There's a Shiloh. Did Yehonasan know about this harem? How could he have? He wasn't there at the time. Regardless, he took his thing, dipped it in the honey, ate it. And when the people told him, what are you doing? Your father said not to eat anything. He said, if my father knew how I just woke up from this honey, he would know that he was wrong. At the end of the war, something happened. The Jews were shechting things and eating it while it was still bleeding because they were so starving. Sholomelech wondered who the sin was on and they used the Urim Betumim and in the end, Yehonah's son was caught by the Urim Betumim, which means he was the one that was responsible. So, Yon- so Sholomelech said, what did you do? Yehonah's son told him, I ate. And Sholomelech said, okay, then you're going to have to die. 
And the people saved Yehonasan. And the people were like, Hayonasan Yomus, Asher Asa, Achua, Gedola, Zos, Yisrael. He did this huge salvation. Chalila, Chaya Hashem, Im Yipo Misaris Rosho Arza. Chalila, that even a hair of his head should fall to the ground. They saved Yehonasan. Why was Yehonasan going to die for a, a, a promise that Shalom Alech made? Again, says the Ramban, this is the Pasuk. Had the people not stood up from him and saved him from death, they would have killed him. And the reason why is because the Cherem, and this is true, even though technically Yehonasan was a shogig, he says the Ramban. He's possibly a shogig. He didn't know. He had no idea. He was only told afterward. Nonetheless, that's the Cherem, and therefore, maybe that's why. The Ramban says, because maybe he was a shogig, that's why they redeemed him. It said he's not, he's not at fault. Plus, the Yeshua came from him. How could we possibly kill him? That was the idea behind it. They, but they all said the following. And that leads to a third part. This is beautiful. So far, it's hard. It's hard to understand that the Jews destroyed an entire Jewish city of Yavish Gilad because of a cherem. But okay, sometimes you have certain laws that are hard to understand, but that's a cherem. It's hard to understand that Yehonasan would have died, the son of the king, for going against the cherem of the king. I hear it, right? But it's a little hard to understand. It's based on this passage, but it's hard. But this helps us understand a different mistake that happened in Navi, and it's Yiftach HaGiladi. Everybody knows that Yiftach HaGiladi went out to war against Ammon, right? Went out against Ammon, possibly a Amalek as well. I'm sorry, that was, uh, it wasn't Ammon, it was against, um, uh, does anybody remember? Oh, I forgot who it was. Anyway, but Yiftach HaGiladi goes up against, I think I am right, I think Yiftach did go up against Ammon, but I can't remember. Either way, he goes up against another nation, right? In the war against that other nation, he promises that if I come back from war, okay, then the first thing that comes to greet me outside my house, I'm going to bring is a korban. I know you didn't go to seminary, neither did I. It's okay, but I'm going to bring him, at, bring that thing as a korban. The Gemara says he could have made a horrible mistake. Imagine if a donkey would have come to greet him, a, a pig, chas v'shalom, a camel. But it wasn't. It was worse. It was his daughter. His daughter comes out playing on the tambourine. She is his only child, and his daughter comes out. And Yifta says, "Whoa! I made a cherem. I have no choice, right?" He said, "My daughter, you're going to have to die." She asked for a respite for a couple months. Right? She goes out for a couple months, she comes back, and apparently, Pashib Shad, she is killed by Yiftach. Because he made a cherem that anything that comes out first should be killed. Right? And he said, oh my gosh, I just did it. He was a king, not exactly a king, but a shofit at the time. He felt that that was strong, and that's that. If I break my cherem, if somebody breaks my or somebody, that's what the cherem is on, then there's nothing I can do. Now, the Ramban says, that he was absolutely wrong. But what was wrong? What's the difference between what happened with Sholem Alech and Yonasan, what happened with Yavesh Gilad and Klal Yisrael, and over here by Yiftach HaGiladi, right, and his daughter itself? And the answer is, a cherem can only be made on a guilty nation that did something wrong. Yavesh Gilad did something wrong. Even Yonasan did something wrong. He broke the promise that Sholem Melech had made, they did something wrong, or someone that you're fighting against, right? That you can go ahead and do. But it can't be how on someone that didn't do anything wrong just because you want to make them into a korban. I can't go around and say, like, hey, John is my korban now. And now, can't do anything. I made a cherim, right? As we said, even if you are the king, 
you can't do something like that. You can't just, as a king, go around saying, and you're my Corbin, and you're my Corbin, nothing you can do, you're dead, you're dead, and that's that. There's no way to be poted. That's ridiculous. Of course you can't do that. But Yiftach messed up. He understood that. And not only that, he wasn't even chayev to pay for Yiftach, for his daughter. If his daughter wouldn't have been killed, he would have said, oh, I'll redeem her instead. He wasn't even chayev to pay for it. There was no reason to make such a harem because you can't make a harem of an individual on an individual like that, even from a king. That, the Ramban says, is not a thing. And Yiftach was 100% wrong for doing so, and he had a horrible death because of it. We know that he atrophied. The Pusik says that he was buried Gilad in the cities of Gilad. What that means is parts of his body began to fall off toward the end of his life. So his arm was buried in one place. His leg was buried in another place. His ear was buried in another place. He was buried throughout the Gilad because he did not have just one burial place. Scary, right? But that was his punishment. Pinchas, by the way, who was there, he also was punished. Yiftach was punished for not going to Pinchas to get his nether mattered. He should have gotten his nether mattered. He should have gone and said, I made a nether. I want to take away my nether. So he said that I'm the king. I shouldn't go anywhere. So his gaiva caused his daughter to die and caused him to atrophy, to lose those limbs of his body. As opposed to Pinchas, Pinchas, the reason why he didn't go to him is because he said, if he wants to get his nether matured, I can't go to him, he's got to come to me. So that's what Pinchas said, but Pinchas was wrong. Because he should have realized that Yiftach did not know the halacha, and therefore Pinchas should have gone there, taught him the halacha, so that he would know and he would have matured the nether. So because of that, Pinchas lost his ability. Either he died, even though he was extremely old, or he lost part of his neshama, that's the way the Ben Yishchai says in Adaris Eliyahu and Parshish Pinchas, right? Or something was gone, he disappeared from Klai Yisrael, possibly later reappearing as Eliyahu Anavi. But Pinchas is no longer around after this point right over here. Now, the Ibn Ezra, has a famous, I'm still not doing the Ramban, it's still the, the Ramban here. The Ibn Ezra says that w- what it meant by, by Yiftach is the following. He said, if an animal comes out to greet me, I'll bring it as a korban. If it's a person, then I'll separate that person from everybody else, and that person will have nothing to do with the other people for the rest of their lives. That was the Ibn Ezra's. So Bas Yiftach, the daughter of Yiftach, was never killed. Chas v'shom, says Ibn Ezra. No, she was in a convent. She became a nun. And she was a nun living in a convent in the middle of the forest for the rest of her life. And when the Pusik says there that the girls used to mourn her every year, they would go to her, right, to mourn with her in her convent every year. She had a nunnery. I don't know if that's what it's called, but I, it's a good word, right? She had a nunnery that where everybody would go, they would hang out with each other, and that was that, and they'd cry together. The Ramban says... Absolutely not. We would never do such a thing, first of all, because why would Yiftach have the ability to do it? And at any point, somebody could have told him after that. It sounds like she died, and therefore Yiftach was punished, and Pinchas was punished, because there's nothing to do anymore. But if she was still around, at any point, people could have said, like, wait, this is bad. This is not what we do. They should have taken that back. That seems to be absolutely ridiculous. Aside from the fact that the Pusik seems to say not that way. Bas Yiftach asked for time to hang out with her friends before she died. For her to then hang out with her friends and go away somewhere and then go away and then for them to visit her constantly seems to be very, very strange. That doesn't seem what the Pusik is trying to say. And that's that. Aside from that, says the Ramban, why would someone be allowed to force another person to stay everywhere and stay away from everyone for the rest of their lives? Why would they have to listen to that? That doesn't make any sense. That's really a problem on her. Why would the daughter herself, and there was even a Chag made every year for that. The whole thing doesn't make any sense. He says he doesn't like that Ibn Ezra. But you should know there are other Risha 
Rishonin that hold that Ibn Ezra as well. That they say that she never died. She was placed in a convent. She was placed separately from everybody else. So it's like over there. Rabbeinu Bechaya says that Yiftach was not a Talmud Chacham. And that's why he made this terrible mistake. In the end, as we said, they were both punished, etc. That is the Ramban. That a harem has a binding element to it, I guess you can say. Something that can cause a person to die, which is crazy to think about. Now, I'll take questions. Shlomo, what's your question? It seems to be stronger than an editor. It's not me din editor. It's me din cherem. It's its own pasuk and its own status. Oh, because of the word lo yipadeh? If he's a Talmud Chacham enough to know what this pasuk means, then he's a Talmud Chacham enough to know that this doesn't count as anything. That's... Again, I'm, I'm de- we're dealing with past history. Yiftach died horribly because of this decision. So we know it was a bad decision. Maybe you could ask, well, how was Yiftach be able to know? That's for our Kaddish Baruch Hu to figure out before he atrophied. But yeah, that's number one. Number two. Yeah. If I'm sorry, what? Well, I, I don't know. Why? Oh, I, I'm sorry. It depends on what it is. If it's actually in a city or for war or whatever it is, you're right. Lo yipadet. That's the, that's the din. Lo yipadet. That's from the Pasuk itself. That's on the Ramban puts it. Yeah, Yaakov. So he doesn't talk about it there. But it seems... Um, where's the Ramban? Where did I, did I write that down right over there? The 400 people... I don't remember where I put it. Um, the 400 people were... Oh, I'll get to it. With Yaakov Kamenetsky. It's on the bottom of the page. Hopefully I get to it. Yeah, Ruben. I didn't understand the point early on uh, that there's the ability for a person to be valued to have a relationship with Hashem. Yeah. Yeah, Arachan versus Dhammim. When you have Dhammim, it's based on your value as how you'd be sold in the Shuk. But Arachan and Erech is... That's Dhammim, right. Correct on that. Arachan is nothing to do with that. Arachan is a set amount based on your age. That has to do with what HaKadosh Baruch Hu values you as. That's based on your specific relationship. We don't know. The Torah. The Torah has Arachan. You said that Dhammim is how much your... Your value is when you're sold to the Shuk. Again, it's what the Torah says, what Arachan is. Arachan is a whole value system. So there's 30, 50, 20, 15, depending on your age and depending if you're a man or a woman. That has nothing to do with you personally as who you are. It has to do with your age and what your status is. So that's what I mean, relationship to Hashem, whatever HaKadosh Baruch Hu feels. Second question. I was under the impression that Karis comes in different forms. Sort of. can be childlessness. Uh, well, uh, yeah, well, Ramban and Achremos gives the three definitions. He does say that there's a possibility that there's different levels based on what you did, right? He does go through that. And the Shara Gamol goes through that as well. Okay. Yeah. If a person, let's say, is born in the United States and 
I was, I was under the impression that Kharis could be, if they find themselves living in Guatemala, a much tougher life. That's not Kharis. I mean, that's not the definition of Kharis. That's not within the Ramban's definition. I don't think that's in anyone's definition. What if somebody has terrible Yisur and all It's not Kharis. Misa Bidi Shemayim, maybe. Oh, be machaper, Yisurin? The only way, I mean, the only way that the Gemara says that you could be machaper for Kharis, if at all, is through Malchus, technically, through Malchus the Oraisa. This is just a way of what a person could do to help himself, right, for the Din and Shemayim, whatever Kharis is going to be. He could help himself that way. So in theory, yeah, Gullus or Yisurin could help. That's kind of what we're saying. Tzom, Kol, and, and Tzom, Kol, and Mamon have the ability to take away a little bit of that. That's how the Targumim is saying. Yeah, to lower the value, yeah, lower how bad it is. But take it away completely, I don't think that's ever there. Dave? Um, just quickly, so if a harem is stronger than a nether, how, uh, in theory, or how is Kintas able to moderate, how is he able to absolve it? I didn't say it isn't. It depends. If it's a fake net harem, right, which this was by Yiftach, Pinchas wouldn't even need to moderate. it. When you say fake, you're saying there's a mistake. It's not part of this Pasuk, right? It's not including this Pasuk. Right, if anything, it was a nether with a mistake to it. So all you have to do is tell them there's no nether. There's no nether to begin with. Yeah, there's nothing to deal with. Okay, so, now, so now moving fast forward to the, so when, they, when they wiped out the, the city the, uh, in Israel that wasn't part of the Pharaoh. Yeah, it was Gilad, yeah. Oh, again, same question that Yaakov just asked. So but hold on. Wait, it's already 9... 18, so I'm not going to be able to answer that question. But I will tell you, Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky answers the question. So we spent a little bit too much time on that, but Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky answers the question that, that, that's where, you know what, I'll just do it really quick, I'll just do it in 20 seconds. Rav Yaakov understands something at the end of Shoftim, we see the left side, the 400 Besulos of Elvish Gilad, right, and he allowed them to marry those people of Shefa Binyamin who remained after the war, but those young women should have been part of the harem of the city. How could they possibly be killed? How could they be allowed to survive? There's no way to be able to do it. If women aren't part of the harem, then how could the older women be killed? How could that be? So he suggests that it could be that the harem was that anyone who can who is able to come and fight should come to fight. And anybody that didn't come to fight, that's their own fault so they get killed. Any women who caused their husbands not to go fight would also get killed. But the young girls would not be required to fight and they wouldn't have stopped other people from fighting. Those people would have survived. That's how Yaakov Kamenetsky answers the question how they were allowed to be around because they wouldn't have been included in the harem in the first place. However, my cash on that is what if it was somebody who was super old who couldn't have fought in the first place and didn't stop anyone from fighting? What about that guy? What if there was an older woman, right? She was older, but or she was widowed or divorced, she didn't stop anybody from fighting. What about those people? Those people were killed. So I'm not sure about that. It's sort of like a low plug over here. But anyway, that's Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky's answer. He gives that. I do have another answer, but it's not for right now. Alright guys, have a great Shabbos. What?